Blog Talk Radio. Up on 
um, uh, December the 10th, which is next Sunday. I need to get over there for that. Uh-huh. I need to come see you play. It's a Richmond. Yeah, maybe maybe too long. maybe Jeff Cleb can show up. And um, December well, 10th. we'll see. Have you ever gone and, to see him? Yeah. yeah. Once I did. Once it was really good. It was a Christmas yeah, thing. Asleep. It was a holiday thing two years ago. <sighs> Do y'all drink at the party? No, was it a, there was uh, no drinking, yeah. but they'll, they'll have well, coffee not at that and one. soft drinks and and that kind of thing. I bring a flask. Yeah, that's exactly All what right. I was thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and where are you yeah. in Richmond? Yeah, it's in Richmond. I'll I'll send you all the info. Yeah, I would, I'll, let me. Come, I want to come back before you move to Maine. I can't. I can't miss the Royal Virginians, dude. I'm gonna. That's about. That's gotta happen. Yeah, we hope you'll. I hope you can make it, Jeffrey. Um, well, that sounds say, better. Yeah, that sounds better than the Royal Mainers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Royal Mainers. the Green Mountain Boys, the Royal Green Mountain Boys, whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's for mine. Well, I, I have to say, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to say that this um past couple of weeks has been really good for the media. Uh Roy Moore um is, has taken a hit and they say he's rebounding in the polls, but we'll see how that goes. Um I hope you lose Donald Trump, of course. Oh, he's got to lose. I mean, there's just. No I mean, every, every show, every show that the Alabamians are not absolute red, hillbilly rednecks that we think they are. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. But still, so it is got, up to the people of Alabama. Well, I don't. I the only person that I know of that is saying it's not up to the people of Alabama is Roy Moore. He just thinks he should automatically be elected. Whether they like it or not, I'm knowing kind of like Hillary, kind of like Hillary, <laughs> where she said it's okay if Democrats oh, yeah. lie as long as they win. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one today. That was a good one, Hillary. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. we're getting hit by both ends, both ends. Uh, yeah, and I hear I hear Bernie what? Sanders is is planning a 2020 run. Um. He won't even be alive in 2020. Uh, <laughs> oh he wasn't alive God. in 2016. He wasn't alive in 2016, but he ran anyway. No, well, he came back. You know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, the, the, that evil uh, monster. What do you call one of those things that was living dead zombified zombie person? She she was so dead she brought our Bernie Sanders back to life. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy. So we've, we've got all kinds of stuff going on here, and uh, I would certainly like to get Andy's opinion on some stuff if he does uh, join us later on. But um, you know, one of the one of the big things this week was Donald Trump tweeting out that Time Magazine called and told him that they were considering him for Person of the Year, but there were also other people in the running. And his supposed response to them was, if you're considering other people and not just me, then I don't want it. And <laughs> well, that's all the only, Why does only that not answer surprise to me. Yeah. And if you're him, I'd say the same and, thing. Yeah, and so 
of course, Time Magazine shot back right away and said, that's not how this works. We don't call somebody up and say, hey, we're considering you for person of the year. Um, what do they you think do about it? it? Yeah, they just do it. <laughs> but see, this is the genius of Donald Trump because Donald Trump knows that he can that one he can make that claim, and then when Time Magazine hits back and says that's not how it works, all of Donald Trump's supporters will say, "Yes, you did call him, and now you're trying to make him look bad by saying you didn't." Mm-hmm. No, he's he a master that. manipulator of the media. He's awesome. I mean, he he just he he just co-opts it. He he probably didn't even talk to him. They probably called his secretary or something like this. And he creates the whole thing <laughs> up in his head and just throws it out there. Mm-hmm. Well, he oh, pulled it off. Knocks. Yes. Uh, so he anyway, uh, our guest, our guest for this evening, is Corey Watkins, who is running for uh, governor of Texas uh, with the Libertarian Party. Yay! Yay! Wonderful. Yay! 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 We need we need more libertarians running. And uh, I gotta give you I gotta give you a little background story on Corey Watkins before we bring him on because uh, I knew he was running. I hadn't really had a chance to look into his campaign yet. And when Hurricane Harvey hit uh, the Texas uh, coast, uh, Houston, and so on and so forth, he went to Walmart and did a live video of himself picking up. Um, items to donate to the hurricane victims, and he mm-hmm. had all of his supporters, all of these people on Facebook, commenting on the video, telling him what he should get and how much they were going to donate through PayPal in order to buy these things. And I'm thinking to myself, here is a here is a guy who is going to make sure that the money goes to the right place. He's going to make sure the hurricane victims get the items that are being bought. You can't say that about any of the other charities out there. And I thought, wow, this is great. And I shared it on my timeline. I donated money, and a lot of other people uh, sent money as well. So that was my real introduction to Corey, and that's when I knew that I had to have him on the on the program. And I asked him, a couple of weeks ago if he'd like to come on and so he cleared time in his schedule to do that and and you gentlemen uh jeff and jeffrey you have um, been to his site taken a look at his positions and so you kind of get an idea of where he stands on things so we're going to bring Corey on now and let him tell us a little bit about why he's running and so uh good evening Corey. how are you tonight I'm doing wonderful. I I really appreciate the introduction. I appreciate y'all uh, letting me come on and then kind of giving a an explanation of who I am and why I'm running and and what the message is. Well, thank well, you we're for running. Happy to, yeah, we're certainly happy to have you on. And so, um, why don't we just jump right in, Corey, and you you tell us uh, why you decided to run. For governor of Texas as a libertarian. Yeah, here here in Texas, uh, I'm pretty dedicated to to the Libertarian Party. I'm I'm the chairman here in my local county, uh, Hunt County, which is about an hour east of Dallas. I also am a, a 
state executive committee member for senatorial district two. I serve on the committee. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty heavily involved in, in the party. I, I'm a reoccurring uh, monthly donor. So, you know, I, I support the party and I've been involved in it. And, and I, I want to make sure our message of freedom, our message of libertarianism is very strong and bold. And, um, you know, I've, I've been asked to run. I have statewide name recognition, and uh, we we wanted to see what we could do with, with this campaign and this race and, and to make sure at the top of the ticket we have a very bold message of freedom and that we're separating ourselves from the left and the right to give people something to get excited about and to get out and vote. Wonderful. Wonderful. Will you have a um, a lieutenant governor um, running with you? Yeah, right now we have one person currently filed, uh, so it looks like that that person. Uh, but yeah, we we definitely will uh, have have somebody. Of course, we got to go to the conventions to figure all that out. Okay. Yeah. It, will it will it be a like here in here in Virginia? Uh, the 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 tickets are all separate. So in other words, we could have a Republican governor, a Democrat lieutenant governor, and a Republican attorney general. Is that how it works in Texas? Yeah, so here in what de- Democrats and Republicans would call primaries, uh, we, we call the our convention uh, process. So uh, I, I'm going to face off versus other libertarians who are seeking the nomination and then I have to uh, gain the support of the delegates at the convention and win the nomination. And then from there, I'll be placed on the ballot uh, at the general election, which will happen in November. And, and yes, other Republicans, other uh, Democrats, uh, Green Party, and independents will be on that same ballot running for governor and running for other tickets as well. Yeah. So you so there are other there are other people seeking the nomination for the Libertarian Party of Texas for governor. Uh, yes, we have one person currently officially uh, 100% filed. There's two others that I know of that have announced and, and done some stuff, but not 100% there yet, from what I understand. I haven't checked on that lately, so I, I uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, it should be a pretty good race. Wonderful. I, I did not know there were other people running, so there's going to be a little competition there. Um, yeah, we and, we have uh, had uh, the one uh, person who filed, Kathy Glass, she has ran uh, in 2010 and 2014. Um, and and uh, so I've, I've decided to step up and run, and, and hopefully we can bring a little bit more uh, bold message and a little bit more... Uh, separating ourselves from from the two old parties uh, and and get people a little bit more excited about the libertarian ticket. Oh yeah, I yeah, I I remember I remember Kathy well. Um that's all I'll say. About I remember that, that name. Um, I remember that name. <laughs> yeah. Did she run last uh, time? She did. She did. She did. Uh-huh. Yes. So um well, good for her for for continuing to try. <laughs> anyway, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your your platform and the issues that you are running on, and what separates you from um, 
say the Republican and the Democrat who might be running against you? Right. So my there's a lot of issues here in Texas when it comes to lack of freedoms, of course. But I, I think I have uh, have three issues that are very important and near and dear to uh, many Texans. And, and some of them are, are at the top of everybody's list. So here in Texas, we're we're way behind when it comes to uh, gun freedoms. You know, the open carry movement here in Texas was awesome. We, we got to uh, get rid of a 146 year Jim Crow law that was on the books. And now you can open carry uh, your handgun here in Texas. Unfortunately, you still have to have a license, pay a tax, ask your government for permission, um, you know, do stuff that you shouldn't be doing to, to bear arms. So uh, we, we want to get rid of all those things. We want to make sure that Texas is at the forefront uh, in in the in you know entire country when it comes to gun freedoms, uh, when it comes to right to defend yourself in general, whatever that may be with. Uh, so we we want to expand gun freedoms here in Texas, uh, and I think that's very important. One of the other issues is cannabis freedoms. Uh, we're we're way behind here in Texas when it comes to cannabis. We're still locking people in cages for a joint. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, that needs to stop immediately. Uh, we need to end the war on drugs. You know, that's another issue that kind of follows in the same aspect of that. But, you know, when I'm elected governor, the first thing I want to do is pardon anybody that's uh, been, you know, hit with a with a drug crime or a nonviolent victimless crime in general. Uh, those people will be forgiven. Uh, I think that's very important uh, that that people have a choice to, you know, drink coffee or have a beer or have a glass of wine, smoke cannabis, whatever. That's a personal choice and you should have that freedom. Uh, so, and then, then my, one of my other main issues is taxes. Um, I, I'm a, I absolutely believe taxation is theft. Uh, we, we have a property tax problem here in Texas. It's way too high. And, um, people are getting pushed out of their homes, military veterans, people on fixed incomes, uh, elderly people, single mothers. Um, so we, we need to put, we need to get that burden, uh, and, and lift that up off of people here in Texas. We need to get rid of the property tax immediately and reduce all other taxes down to zero as soon as possible. Uh, so th those are my three main issues. And I, I think that kind of goes across the board as far as, you know, uh, left or right and, and attracting people from both of those angles. But not only that, a really bold message of freedom, uh, I think, can, can attract people from all all areas. And the most important area is the 40-something percent of the people that sit at home and, and are sick and tired of the left and the right, the old two parties with the same damn crap message. Um, and they're they're looking for they're looking for a new fresh message, a new bold message of freedom, and I, I think that's what we carry here in our campaign. Yeah, I, I, I wanted see to ask that. you something about uh, Jeff, the property tax. Sure, go ahead. Excellent. Um, well, I know that Texas, by comparison, now I live most of my life up north in New York and Pennsylvania, but your property taxes down there are a hell of a lot cheaper than places like New York and New Jersey and. Pennsylvania and Connecticut and whatnot, and even New Hampshire, but you also don't have a state income tax either. So Texas, by comparison, at least from what I understand, and I've been there a couple times, people say it's, a, it's almost like a tax haven compared to so many other states. 
and yet the state still has a balanced budget. Now, I understand the idea about lowering taxes as a libertarian, but you already don't have a state income tax, and if you try and get rid of property taxes, what are your counties going to do to raise, you know, for your basic services like your police department, your sheriff's office, and your your jails and your libraries and your things like that? I mean, how how can you actually go for zero when you're actually so much lower than a lot of other places? I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate and asking you that, but, I mean, somebody from New sure. Jersey moving to Texas is going to think they died and went to heaven. For sure. Some of the stuff that looks really good here in Texas is, is pretty good, but once you get here, you'll realize that there are other licenses, fees, taxes, and all kinds of stuff that you got to pay into that uh, you're equaling out to basically what you're paying anywhere else. Uh, you know, I, I think that realistically we need to live within our means and, uh, you know, trust in each other. You know, people always ask, well, who's going to pay for the roads? Well, me and you will. The same people that do anyways. We're just we're getting a middleman that's known to be a liar and a thief. We're, we're getting the middleman out of the way, um, and, and we're doing this ourselves. And I, I don't think um, I don't think we need a middleman to build our roads. I don't think we need a middleman to provide education. These things will be provided because they're needed, and the private sector uh, will, will take care of that. Uh, it, we've had uh, taxes for about a hundred years or so, and before that, we we had all of these things, and it still worked. And and when we start lowering taxes here in Texas and we get to a point where we can start ending taxes, uh, you, will, you will see it. The, the programs and the things that are wasteful won't exist because the free market won't allow it to. And the things that are needed, the public sector, the business, the private sector, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the private sector will pick up on that and businesses will create and innovation will occur and, and things will happen. It'll, it'll be there. I do like well, your uh, way of doing roads down there. I wrote, I've driven on SH-130 between San Antonio and Austin, and it was about 40 miles, and it cost me about $8. This was in 2013, and it's the only road in the United States that's posted at 85 miles an hour. It was smooth as glass, privately owned, and the federal government told Texas they couldn't raise the speed limit to 85, and Texas basically told them to bite me. And they did it anyway, and I've driven on it, and I can tell you <laughs> it's better than any taxpayer-funded road that we have in Virginia. So you guys are <laughs> taking the right approach to roads. Well, well I, I have would a, say to some I have a, we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to play devil's advocate just a minute here, Corey. I, I agree. Let, let me just say uh, fundamentally I agree with you on what you're saying, so I'm, I'm not trying to push my – point of view i'm going to play devil's advocate uh, i was having a, a discussion with someone on facebook uh, yesterday about exactly what we're talking about and i said ideas so good that they have to be forced and he said well some things have to be forced because if we didn't force them they wouldn't exist and i said well like what and he said well police fire ambulance and he named all and i said well i said first of all i said there there are many volunteer fire departments and rescue squads around the country that are completely funded privately not through taxpayer dollars their equipment is donated it might be used equipment but it's it works it's 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 very good and i said so there's a there i i think i read something today and i posted it today about a a town in texas 
that completely fired its police department and now they have private police and the the citizens like it much better than they liked the old way because the officers are now being held accountable more so than they were before so I'm having this argument with this guy, and he says that's just pie-in-the-sky nonsense. You'll never get everybody on board with that, and even if you could, it's just a free-for-all. So your answer to that is what? Well, my answer to that is that if if, if it's needed, it'll be there, and the free market will correct make corrections way faster than government can. If things... Uh, if things happen, let's just say uh, there's an issue and people come up with a solution and it, it doesn't work, then we can make changes way faster with the free market rather than having government, you know, wait two years to make some kind of new legislation, laws, rules, or regulations. And we know how that usually works. It doesn't take just two years. It usually takes like five legislations. So um, we need to stop trusting in government to fix things. Uh, we need to start relying on each other, our community, uh, local organizations, churches. You know, I live in a very small town here. We have a voluntary fire department. I see them all the time out in the streets, uh, you know, having their boots out there and people are driving by putting money in their boots all the time. Uh, you know, if there wasn't taxes for uh, police departments, it would be simple to, uh, learn how to defend yourself, uh, protect yourself. You can't have a cop everywhere you go. You know, uh, you, you pitch into the fire, to, uh, the police departments if needs or hire private security, uh, shoot, you know, um, in the community, uh, you can have stores, local stores. When you go and cash something out and buy something, ask, Hey, do you, uh, want to voluntarily, uh, add 50 cents to your, to your checkout for the fire department that we're doing a fundraiser this month? You know, there's all kinds of different ways and solutions to to come up with these funds uh, and it not be by force. I, I saw, you know, when I was doing the hurricane stuff in, her, uh, in Houston, I saw all kinds of stuff being uh, voluntarily donated, time, uh, rescue squads, food, I mean, all kinds of stuff to the point where they had to start turning things away. And I talked to people and I said, hey, do you think people themselves – were more of a help, or do you think maybe government organizations and, and solutions were more of a help? And and I, from everybody I talked to, and I'm not I'm not making this up. Everybody I talked to said that the government was more in the way than anything, and people that were coming there to help individually and giving stuff were way better. And to the point where they had to turn it away and say, "Thank you, you know, we got enough stuff." So um, um, the proof is in the, the pudding, you know, and, 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 and I've seen it happen. So. Yeah, well, I, I, I think one of the funniest things was when um, the, the hurricane relief efforts were going on in Puerto Rico and Elizabeth Warren got on Twitter and tweeted that um, the government wasn't working as, as fast as, as charities and um, private individuals who were donating their time and money, and she said, we need to do something about that. And basically what she was saying without realizing it was that the government is very inefficient 
and that the private charities and individuals were doing a much better job. And she, and she may have realized what she was saying, and the more I think about it, the more I think she did, and she didn't like that because that's proving that what she, what she wants is never going to be as efficient as what you and I would want. That's why they call her Liawatha. <laughs> Pocahontas, baby. Pocahontas, yeah. Uh, so, um, Jeffrey, uh, have have you got anything to add? Oh, I did. I had a bunch of different questions along the way. Oh, the volunteerism. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people would like to be volunteer firemen and volunteer policemen, too. You know what I'm saying? I think that, that uh, that's probably the best uh, – Thing, you know what I'm saying? As far as funding some of these services, you got, and then a lot of people get involved in, in uh, like um, uh, funding meals for the elderly. There's, a, there's just a bunch of volunteer spirit out there that, that, that did this type of work before the government sold us on the idea of paying them an extra ton. But the problem is, is that that the government is its own. Uh, the, these bureaucracies, they have their own, their their own. Um, their their own um, their own agenda. You know what I'm saying? They have set special interests. They are special interests. The government is, and it's so big, it's hard to it's hard to really imagine beating them unless, like you say, you get these people off the couch that don't vote. So that's that's a smart strategy there too. But, uh, but a lot of the voting. people sitting on the couch, a lot of the people on the couch are the ones who are ma- mainly dependent on government handouts. And they're not well, going to vote to interrupt the gravy train. Well, that's true too. You got to think well, about uh, that. Corey, what what is your um, what is your plan to get your message out? Let's say you win the nomination for uh, the Libertarian Party to be their candidate for Texas governor. What is your plan to get your message out to those folks who don't normally come out and vote? I want to make sure our message stays very consistent and principled with with uh, pure freedom in the sense that, you know, we understand that uh, what the non-aggression of principle is, what, what the ideas of libertarianism is, is, you know, if I'm not bothering you, I'm not harming you, don't impede on my freedom, I won't impede on your freedom, love, leading by example, uh, strong community. Uh, caring about one another and trusting in, in individuals. Um, I, I think that's the message uh, that will attract people. Uh, we we want to make sure that we're talking about real issues and real solutions rather than the same stuff that people continuously are bored of and don't want to hear anymore. And I think that, that message of freedom that this campaign has and that we've been carrying over the last six months is, is pretty strong. Uh, so we've raised thousands of dollars. I've been to many different cities all across Texas. Uh, we we have lots of delegates who are re- ready and prepared for the convention. So I'm feeling really confident. And when when we when we take the convention, um, we're we're going to make sure that we separate ourselves very far from the left and the right. And we have a very strong, bold message of freedom that gets people excited about uh, uh, this message of liberty and freedom and gets people to the polls and votes, you know, we've, and we've done that so far with our message. You know, we, we've had people who are in the Republican party who've uh, quit their party and and resigned as precinct chairs and joined our campaign and the same side for, for Democrat. We have people who normally flock with the Democrats who are helping out our campaign. Uh, We have people 
uh, in the Libertarian Party, of course, helping out. And we, I've had plenty of people tell me, hey, I'm registering to vote. I don't vote, but your message I love, and, I, and I'm going to vote for you this time. What can I do to help? So I think that strong, bold message of freedom is what attracts people from all walks of life. And that's how we're going to make people understand that uh, this new libertarian revolution is here. And uh, people are going to start talking about libertarians in a sense of, hey, these people are here and the party's growing and, and they have a chance to win. So I think that's the message we're going to bring here in Texas. Mm. Well, it's, it sounds good. I mean, if you're getting that kind of response already, I mean, that's. Well, that's, the message sounds good, good too. I, like, I just like to say you do a good job carrying the message. You know, you sound clear, and um, you know that's what it takes for people to understand and get on board. They need a clear, simple, straightforward message, and, to, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, no you're doing a good job. There's nothing funny about this. I want to make it as lame, lame's term as possible. This is simple. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way you have to do it. Um, uh, because people, um, they 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 need to hear it straight. Uh, as as somebody told me today, I've been lied to so many times by politicians, even when they even when 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 they're telling me exactly what I want to hear and it makes me feel excited. I go home and I say, nope, they're lying. So <laughs> it, it's <laughs> you know it's it's it's. Um, I'll put it to you this way, Corey. You sound believable. You sound like a down-to-earth guy, and I, I guess that's why you're getting the the response um, that you that you're getting from from both sides of the aisle. Um, but I'm looking here at your um, at your website, and you you have a section on transparency, and um, you know Donald Trump said he was going to be the most transparent ed- administration in history. And as we know, that hasn't worked out. So, what is what? What are your plans regarding transparency? I want people to. I want to go down to Austin and and open up the curtain of tyranny and let everybody see what's behind the doors of that evil place and what's going on. So, I want to be the eyes and ears down there. I want to let everybody know publicly what's going on. Um, who's with freedom, who's not. And, and I'll just tell it like it is. And if, if people don't like to hear it, well, you know what, sometimes the truth hurts. And, uh, and I, I just want people to understand what's going down in Austin. And, and I think, um, somebody that's not afraid to go stick a, a foot in the door like I have before, uh, needs to be that voice in Austin to let people know what's going on. Sounds good to me. Uh, you, you've been involved with with um, with Normal, um, and you've spoken at some of their events uh, here in here in uh, Virginia, especially here in Richmond. Uh, we just had a governor's race. We had a libertarian candidate, Cliff Hira, who was for full legalization of marijuana, and Virginia Normal basically took the stance that. Uh, we're never going to have full legalization of marijuana in this state at this time. It's foolish to run on that. So we're going to we're going to promote decriminalization. 
And there was a reason for that. The Democratic candidate for governor was proposing decriminalization, not full legalization. So that is why Normal took that stance. If the Democratic governor had said, I want full legalization, then that's what they would have been peddling. So how, how is Normal reacting to your message there in, in Texas? Uh, I ha- have nothing but wonderful things to say about many of the normal groups here in Texas who have invited me to speak and be a part of, of their activities. I um, I have been very open about how I feel about cannabis and, and some of the people, they talk about legalization, and I even open it up and tell them, I think we need to go further than legalization. Why not just get government completely out of the way and have cannabis on the free market 100%, right? Well, Dr. Feldman had a word. He called it normalization. He said make it it's called normalization. I like that. I like that a lot. I'll use that probably. Um, but I, I say that we ask for everything, and the reason why I say this is because I've learned from experience uh, in, in the open carry movement when it comes to guns and stuff here in Texas, I learned that when you ask for, you know, four feet, you're going to get like one inch. So what what I want to do is I, I and I hate saying ask cuz we're like we're like slaves asking our masters for permission to do things uh, that we should already be, you know, free to do. So we we want everything. And that's what we want because when we want to get everything, we're going to get a little bit more than what we we're going to get when we asked for just a little bit. Because when you ask for just a little bit, you're going to get a lot less than what you asked for. That's how it always works with the legislator. It always does. They try to find a way to minimize it to the smallest portion of freedom to get pushed forward uh, when it comes to issues that people are most uh, bothered about. So when they're like, hey, we got to do something. we got to give these people something to make they feel like they won. So we'll give them this this time. And then maybe uh, that will shut them up for a little bit. And then next legislation, we won't have to do too much. But they give you just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. So that's why you got to ask for everything. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that uh, because uh, I have noticed that. You know, you my grandfather used to tell me you always have to overshoot your goal. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, um, <laughs> you know, that – that that tends to be the case in politics too. I, I want to ask you, um, Corey, because I know Jeff will be interested in this as well. Um, what is your opinion about concealed carry versus open carry? All right. Well, um, I think freedom of choice is very important. I, I think if people feel more comfortable concealing, they should conceal. I think if people want to open carry, they should open carry. The uh, I think there should be no license or anything for either one. You should just be able to, to freely carry how you choose. Now, as far as uh, uh, strategy or, or, you know, defending yourself, I think open carry is way, way better than concealed because uh, when you are open carrying, you're a deterrent right away. There's no way a criminal, which is a coward, criminals are cowards, they don't, 
uh, try to go into a place where there's somebody equally or more powerful than them. They prey on the weak. They're going to go to areas where there's gun-free zones, people who are not armed, can't do anything to them, so they can do what they need to do safely and get out quick. So mm-hmm. when I'm open carrying, a criminal is going to come in and go, oop, no thank you, and go out and go somewhere else. Now, if they come in and you're concealing, well, they're going to act and do what they do. Now, you're, you're, you're put in a position where you have to pull out your gun and act. Now, that's a, that's a dangerous situation. Now, if you were open carrying, that could have been prevented. And so that's why police open carry. That's why our military open carries. Um, tactically, it's better just that way. You know, when an old lady or an old guy's walking down the street, they're open carrying a stick. You know, people see that stick. You don't go over there and bother the old lady because it's probably going to whack you with it. You know, they're they're not going to conceal carry the stick. You know, they're going to open carry it because it's a deterrent. You see it. You're like, nope, I'm not going to mess with that person. So I, I prefer open carry. So you have the opposite okay. point in some, res- in some respects. I believe... The concealed carry allows me to maintain a tactical advantage, but it's also politically better because if I open carry, there's going to be people who are ambivalent on the Second Amendment or maybe even are sort of pro-gun, but they start seeing people open carry and they get freaked out about it. They're going to ask you to leave. You know, they're going to, it's going to scare them and they're going to vote for politicians who are going to restrict gun rights. Um, concealed carry has worked very, very well in Virginia. We also allow open carry without a permit or concealed carry with one. I, am, I agree with you, though. I do prefer constitutional carry. That's not likely to happen, but I do believe in it. But I do believe in the choice. I have good friends who are very big open carry advocates. Um, I tend to prefer carrying concealed, but, but I'm not going to diss you for wanting to carry openly. I would just rather con- carry concealed because I don't want to scare the crap out of people who are ambivalent, I don't, I don't want to give up a tactical advantage. Um, most criminals are cowards, but if there is one there and he sees somebody open carrying, if he might be on drugs or something, he might take that guy out first. Or if you have people who are drunk, they might say, well, I'm going to mess with that guy. He thinks he's a big man because he has a gun. Then you've got a real problem. If I'm carrying concealed, I go about my business and no, nobody is – you know, I'm not going to draw. I don't want to. I want to be inconspicuous. But like I said, I don't fault your position. I just take a different view. Right, and I I totally get it. I uh, I um, uh, I I believe in constitutional carry, the the freedom to carry as you please, and 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 that's what I believe in. I uh, you know, I just prefer open carry myself. But that's just me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, well, I, I in I, Virginia, you'd be good. <laughs> yeah, see, I, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like I, to normalize I, it. You know, that's one of the other reasons why I open carry is because I, I feel that our media, our government, they, they want us to conceal it because they don't want people, they want people to freak out when they see a gun. It's not normal, but we should be open carrying it. That's why it, it's in our culture, it's in our society. It's normal, just like a cell phone. You don't freak out about it when you see it. You know, there's 33 other states that open carry, and people open carry frequently, and there's nobody freaking out. I think that's just kind of like a media-driven kind of mentality. Well, that's well, it's one allowed, of the things, but a lot of people don't do it. Um, one of the things that I um, have noticed is that um, in, in, in days past, and I, w- I would say this was probably prior 
to the 20th century, a lot of people had guns and they carried them with them. And um, the ones who didn't were not really afraid of guns. It was just something that I don't choose to have a gun, but hey, okay. And somehow we got to this, we got to this place where um, people just a lot of people don't carry guns and they're afraid of them. And I would like to see it go in the opposite direction simply because I have I have witnessed firsthand somebody being in a restaurant with a concealed weapon and they bent down to pick up a napkin or they reached into their pocket to get something or they stretched or they did something and, and just a little bit of the gun showed and then somebody else in the restaurant freaked out and went, oh, my God, he's got a gun. And, you know, and it, it doesn't happen often, but I, I, I've seen that at least once. And it didn't bother me. And I'm thinking to myself, why would it bother somebody else? You know, but there, a lot of it also has to do with this mentality that the left likes to push that guns are dangerous. Guns can harm you. You know, guns can get up off the table and just go off willy-nilly whenever they want to because they're mm-hmm. living beings, creatures. And we, ha- we have to get away from that. Do you have any ideas of how we can do that, Corey? Yes, open carry. We have to normalize our society. We have to get back to where it was okay to have a shotgun in the back of your pickup when you went to high school. Remember back, you know, I, I mean, I can't remember personally when I went to high school, but I've heard stories, you know, 30 years ago. Some people went to high school and it was okay to have a, a gun in the truck. No big deal. Well, we've been taught from our media and from our government leaders, if you will, that guns are bad, they do evil things, we should hide them, put them away, they scare people, do not, you know, go out in public with guns, it's scary, don't do those things. Well, we've been conditioned to believe all, uh, all of that, and, and people have blindly believed that without doing research and facts and stuff, but I think the way to combat that is to normalize it, get people educated on uh, a pol- an armed society is a polite society, you know, where there are more mm-hmm. people... Uh, that have guns, there are less criminals, there's less crimes happening, um, and and it's okay to have a gun. It should be a normal thing. You know, say, hey, I, what kind yeah. of gun you got there? I see it's a, it's a Glock 19 Gen 4. Nice. Okay. Got myself a new gun yesterday, too. Check it out. A 380 Ruger, you know. It should be normal. Yeah. Or well, if somebody or if somebody, does, if somebody doesn't want to own a gun, and, you know, because um, I have seen people who have guns who who run up against somebody who says, I, I'm just not interested in guns. I don't want one in my house. And they take this stance that, well, you need one. You have to protect yourself. You have to get a gun. And when they still insist that they don't want one, uh, the person with the gun kind of looks at them like they're crazy. Well, not everybody is going to want a gun, and I, I understand that, and, and I have no problem with that. But I, I, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I would like to see it where people who don't own guns, for the most part, are okay with people who do, and people who do own guns are, for the most part, okay with people who don't. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and, I, and I think uh, leading by example 
and educating people will, will do that. I think, uh, you know, people have just conditioned to believe when they turn their TV on, they see another robbery with a gun and it's bad and this and that. And I think they've been conditioned mm-hmm. otherwise. And that's the problem. Yeah, we, we had one of our uh, listeners write in and um, he was asking about your stance on guns. And he basically said it, he says, it sounds like Corey Watkins wants to allow anyone to carry any kind of gun they want without any restrictions. He said, he says, what does, what does he think about bullets that pierce armor and bulletproof vests? Well, he's absolutely right when he said that I think uh, anybody should have the right to defend themselves. Absolutely. Um, there's no way that I want to give government authority uh, to allow them to choose who can defend themselves and who can't. No way. Um, I believe if people want to own uh, whatever kind of bullet they want, they should. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, no, I, I don't want to restrict any any way to defend yourself whatsoever. I'm going to chime in on well, that. That thing about armor-piercing bullets, is that's an, that's sort of like – leftist urban legend the you know and there's no such thing as a bulletproof vest it's a bullet resistant vest and i say this as a former exactly. deputy sheriff there is a, there are three there's level one level two and level three vests um uh if an officer if you have an ar-15 a 223 remington just a basic 556 millimeter and an officer is wearing traditional body armor chances are uh, a little tw- a 223 is going to go through a normal body armor like a hot knife through butter. A 30 caliber will go through it. A bullet resistant vest is meant to deal with a 357 Magnum, a 45, a 38, um, a 380, a 357 Sig. Typical handgun ammunition. Um, somebody with an AK or an AR or a BAR, it's going to the bullet is going to pierce right through the armor. There's n- that thing about armor-piercing bullets is just, it's more urban legend than anything else. Most handgun ammunition is jacketed hollow point, which is going to do a lot more damage to a body tissue, but a ball ammunition will actually more likely go through somebody but will do less damage. It, it's it's a, basically a leftist media construct. Anything can be an armor-piercing round. I mean, that's just something they just dreamed up, the so-called cop-killer bullets. You know, it, it's just right. a, a deer rifle. A deer rifle, a 243 is a. You can't even use an AR-15 to hunt deer in Virginia. You can use a 243, or what's that other one? A 24. What do they call it? A 2445 Sharps or something like that. You have that's the smallest you can use to hunt a deer in Virginia because a 223 is inhumane. Yet a 223 will pierce the body armor because it's a small caliber round, but it's traveling at 4,000 feet per second. Whereas a 45 handgun round is a huge round, but it's only traveling about 900 feet per second. But a lot of people, it's just stuff, it's just like banning scary-looking guns. It just, it sounds good, but it's, it's really, you know, that, 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 a lot of that is meaningless stuff. Um, well, you the, know, pro- the, the, the thing the is... Problem you, the, the problem you have, and, and I'm sure Corey can chime in on this too, and, you know, is that, you have you have two sides to the gun debate, and unfortunately, on one side, you have a lot of people that know exactly what they're talking about because they fire guns and they know gun safety and they know about guns. They may not always be able 
to express themselves in the right way, and you and I have talked about that. But on the other side of that debate, you have the, the ban all guns crowd, or I think people should be allowed to own guns, but only one little pistol and this and that. And most of those people don't have a friggin' clue about gun safety, about how guns work, about bullets or anything like that. They're just repeating stuff that they've heard, which often, more often than not, is not true. Well, they don't know the difference between an assault rifle and a blunderbuss. You know, they want yeah. to ban assault rifles, but you ask them <laughs> what an assault rifle is, they can't even tell you. They can't even tell you what an assault rifle even – they think AR means assault rifle. It means Armalite rifle, but they don't even know that you can't even own a real assault rifle unless you go through a BATF rectal exam – you get it from a class three licensed dealer and you pay all kinds of tax stamps. They don't even, they, they think an AR 15 is something that sprays bullets and they don't realize it's a <laughs> semi-automatic sporting rifle. It, it's just, they don't, you know, they, they just don't, they, they don't really have a clue. They don't really think rationally. They're just using emotions. They just think a gun is bad because it looks mean. But if you take a deer rifle, that's a 30, 30, or you even take a, a, a a BAR or something like that that doesn't look that menacing, they're not going to want to ban it, but they'll want to ban an AR-15 that's a much smaller caliber just because it looks mean. And some of these leftists are even racist. They don't like the guns because they're black. But if you made it pink and you took off the flash suppressor and the bayonet lug, you'd have the same rifle, but they wouldn't think it looked mean because it was pink. Yeah. Well, um, Corey, what's What's the first thing you're going to do if you get to Austin? The first thing I'm going to do is not accept my salary. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm going to do because it's theft. Um, and then I'm going to pardon anybody that has a nonviolent victimless crime. These people that are, you know, especially people who are locked up for like cannabis and in, in the war on drugs. We need to get those people uh, back to their families, back to, uh, you know, uh, productive people in society and get them uh, back on their feet. The, they don't need to be locked up for putting stuff in their body. We need to stop that. So th- those are some of the first things I'm going to do right when I get into office. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds sounds like a plan to me. Jeffrey, do you do you have anything else you want to ask? Oh, sorry about that. No, I, I mean, you know, I just I just think it sounds really great. I mean, to have great spokesmen like this running for governor of Texas. I mean, he's got, like he says, a bold agenda for libertarianism, and I think that's what it takes. And uh, he's got experience in the legislative process. And once you see that, you you see how miserable it all is to try to hope for these two parties to do anything in uh, in Congress. The two parties set the agenda. You know, the one with the most, the party with the most members gets to have the Speaker of the House, and he decides what gets voted on. Is that the same way it is in, in Texas state legislative process? What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't get the last part. It is this Texas state legislative process controlled by the two parties, like it is in Congress. Uh, yeah, I mean, ma- mainly um, Democrats and Republicans, uh, and then the you know the the houses, everything is owned by the Republicans, the majority. Yes, yeah, so they're the majority, so they get to decide what gets voted on, and that's what people have yeah. to realize. It's so important 
to get the Republicans and the Democrats out of there so you can actually run a bill through there to give somebody a freedom back. You know what I'm saying? You'll never get it back as long as they're controlled by the two big parties. So. Absolutely, and I think I think one of the most important things about having the governor position is that anything that doesn't represent more freedom won't get uh, won't get through my desk. What is the well, that, uh, limitations that, that, on terms? What's what's your term limitation there? Two terms or three? Uh, two. Three? No, three. So I think Perry. The was governor can run third. three terms. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I, we don't. Like the, the we don't. Libertarianism in Texas is a natural fit, you know, considering that the Ron Paul was from Texas. You know, it seems like. I know he ran as a as a Republican, but he, he had to have given some. He I, he definitely did lend a lot of credibility to the Libertarian uh, platform, and so it seems like if we have a chance anywhere to get uh, a new well in a statewide election, it should be Texas. So hopefully, you can reach enough people. How do we send money? Where do we send money to? Yeah, so my website, CoreyWatkinsForTexas.com, that's K-O-R-Y, that's CoreyWatkinsForTexas.com. You can go on there. Uh, we have a campaign store where you can get, like, coffee mugs, beach towels, T-shirts. we got a really, really uh, great campaign team who, who've set up really professional website and, and campaign store. Uh, we even have campaign pipes on there for people who – uh, partake, you know, in other things. Uh, so we 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 kind of broke out of the box there and did that. that was, we call them campaign chillums. They're like one or two hitters. Those are pretty cool. Uh, you can order those on on the website as well, or you can just make a straight donation, uh, which is much appreciated. And and you can find that on the website as well. There's great. A store I, link I, I do have a donation a, link. Yeah, I I do have a. A question for you. We don't normally ask this question, but I think we're going to start doing it. Um, your current governor is Greg Abbott, and he's a Republican. If yep. you could name one, if you could name one thing that Greg Abbott has done that you agree with, what would it be? Okay, so we had this bill come through our legislator that. Uh, for whatever reason, it passed with flying colors, and Greg Abbott supported it and passed it and signed it pretty quickly. We have more knife freedoms here in Texas now because he signed uh, a bill that lifted regu- regulations on Bowie knives, swords, and daggers, and knives that were uh, longer than four and a half inches. Uh, no, I'm, saying, I'm sorry, it was five and a quarter blade. Uh, but now all that is lifted, and now we have knife freedoms here in Texas. So I would say that's probably the only thing he did good. But uh, congratulations, Greg Abbott. You did something well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was good. Um, I, was, I, I was hoping we'd get something out of you. I was, I was worried that maybe you'd say absolutely nothing. <laughs> so hey, anyway, I, I, Corey, I brought- we Oh, I'll go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say I run a positive can campaign, so I'm I'm never gonna speak down on people and try to like run dirty stuff. I, I always like to try to keep a positive energy going and, and just try to spread the message of freedom. That's well, awesome. Wonderful. So so folks the the website again is Corey K O R Y Corey Watkins for is is 
Corey Watkins for Texas.com. And we've enjoyed having you on the program tonight, Corey, and uh, we would love to have you back down in Austin sitting in the governor's mansion. If you have time, um, with all the great things you're going to do, if you have time, maybe you can call back into the show and let us know how things are going. Uh, definitely will. Definitely will. I appreciate you guys having me on, and maybe uh, if, if you need somebody to come on here in a couple months, I can give you an update on the campaign. Uh, I, I really appreciate y'all's time. Thank you so much. And thank you for thank you. being the best person. Thank you for articulating the open carry viewpoint very well. You made a very compelling argument for open carry, and I, I'm a concealed carry guy, but I greatly appreciate your input. I appreciate yours as well, and, and keep spreading the message of freedom, brother. Thank you. All Good right. luck. Awesome. All right, Corey, thank, thank you. Um, have a great evening. You guys, too. Thank you so much. Yep. Mm. Well, gentlemen, uh, Corey Watkins. Hey, another, for... great, another great candidate. Squared away. Why can't we get more people like this? Jeez. <laughs> I'm, everybody uh, that comes on our show is just great. I, everybody you've ever had on here is just a fantastic spokesman for liberty. Uh, yeah, I think it's just great to have those kind of great people. And we just wish we could spread the word farther, you know? It's just funny. I, yes, I love well, it when he said the, ta- the taxes in Texas are too high. <laughs> that's, that's somebody who really hates taxes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he does a great job of hate taxes. I love him for that. That's a great thing. He's great. Yeah, you. I mean, he 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 wouldn't like living in New Jersey. <laughs> no. Yes, no problem. Uh, Access and uh, the uh, the voluntary. Well, I'm. So, guys, before we go. And uh, we're going to go very soon. But before we go, I want to read this um, to you because it it truly is the most bizarre headline I think I have seen this year. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to read you the article too. I'm going to read you the article too, so that you're not left hanging. Here's the the headline: Breitbart editor cites. Ringo Starr, the drummer for the Beatles, to defend Roy Moore. What? And and you can't be serious, CNN's Chris Cuomo said in response. And here's the article. The lengths that some conservatives will go to to defend Alabama's GOP Senate candidate and accused child molester Roy Moore reached an absurd new level Monday morning when Joel Pollack, a senior editor at Breitbart News, who once angled for a gig as Donald Trump's speechwriter, used the lyrics of the pop song You're 16 to justify Roy Moore's alleged behavior. In 1973, Ringo Starr hit the charts with the song You're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Pollock told CNN's Chris Cuomo, acknowledging that it was a remake of an earlier song, and I think we all know the song. He was 30-something at the time, singing about a 16-year-old. You want to take away Ringo Starr's achievement? 
<laughs> well, what about Do- Dr. Can't. Hook? She was only 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's <laughs> um, uh, you can't be serious, Cuomo repeated twice before Pollock shot back that that same line at him. Oh, I'm dead serious. The anchor added, you think that Ringo Starr's song is supposed to be a nod to allowing 30-year-old men to prey on teenagers? You don't believe that, Joel. You're a parent. You don't believe that. Rather than say whether or not he believes his... Yeah, rather than say whether or not he believes his own nonsense, Pollock pivoted to say that as a parent, he also fears the risk our sons face today, which is that they are going to be exposed to accusations they may or may not that may or may not be true. While parents have mm-hmm. always had to worry about their daughters, Pollock pleaded with Cuomo to think about the sons. So, oh, and here there's more. Pollock previously waded into more related controversy when following the initial Washington Post report on morals on Moore's sexual predation. The Breitbart editor defended Moore by insisting that only one of the described relationships, the the one involving a 14-year-old, was problematic, while ones involving Mm -hmm. girls between the ages of 16 and 18 were not. As for your 16, Mm -hmm. the original 1960 version recorded by rockabilly singer Johnny Burnett is perhaps best known for its appearance on the soundtrack for 1973's American Graffiti, a coming-of-age movie about high school students. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, using mm. <laughs> Ringo Starr to defend Roy Moore. I mean, okay, I'm going to have to post that on Facebook. That's just too too mm. good not to share. So, I mean, yeah, that's anyway, really crazy. Anyway, guys, do either of you have something you'd like to talk about before we hit the road? I did want to say one thing that I find it funny. I mean, we all like to bust on Roy Moore, but I find it funny how John Conyers and Al Franken and, and seem to be getting a pass on things lately. I mean, the media is treating them so differently, well, even Nancy the, Pelosi. The, the media, but I, I, yeah, but I, I will say this. The local media there in Minnesota is really hammering him hard. Um, and, and, Al Franken. There are a lot of Democratic groups, um, not necessarily politicians, but think tanks and PACs and all kinds of different groups that are calling on um, Franken to resign. He says he's not going to do yeah. it. No, he won't. He, he said he'll cooperate. He he here's what he said in the interview he gave with the local Minnesota TV station. He basically said, and I am paraphrasing, but it's basically what he said was that he's had hundreds of photo shoots, and so he can't remember if he grabbed somebody's ass or not. Well, let me let me tell you guys something. If I, if I if I'm ever in a if I'm if I'm ever in a photo shoot with somebody and I grab their ass, I'm gonna remember it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, know. I am. And not that I not that I would do that, but if if it happened, I'm going to remember it. 
I was at a, at, a, at a reception with Lord Brennan's wife over in Austria one time. I don't know what came over me, but I just slapped that woman right on the ass. It was the craziest thing. And, uh, I mean, it was just it was almost like a Tourette-type deal, you know? And, uh, I, I mean, I scared myself out of Austria for the next year. I was about to arrest me when I came back. They don't put up with that stuff over there. But, yeah, I did a couple things that we need to talk about before you go, guys. One of them is related okay. to that subject, and that is a law in England that stops spousal bullying. You know, one of the things that married people will do is that our husband, especially in control, powerful, you know, he's got the money, he's got the job, he's got the bank, yeah, he pays the bills, he pays mm-hmm. the rent, he's got the physical power. They'll bully a wife uh, you know, or punish her by taking away money or turning off, or even turning off cell phones or lights on this, or these mm-hmm. types of things, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Take it by their car, their keys, whatever it might be. and uh, But it's not technically domestic violence. But anyway, it's a new crime in England. Uh, just passed, I read the other day, that says um, that, that that will be a crime punishable by five years in prison, spousal bullying. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, I'm mean, i just wondering, like, what if what if the wife is like, do you want to have sex because, you, you know, you went out and had two drinks for lunch or something like that? Is that spousal bullying? <laughs> yeah, it's only going to work one way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It surely will only work one way. And uh, and that's just a crazy thing. I mean, the libertarian implications of a, of a crime like that are very troubling to me. Uh, and I've seen it that courts here will punish people. In fact, I had a case for that type of behavior, even though there is no law against it. The law of domestic violence is that there must be physical abuse or threats, stalking, harassment, harassment something like this, you know, in order for them to take action. But courts will, you know, in a case where they find a husband, you know, sort of doing this type of behavior, I've had judges, really enlightened judges, punish it just like it was spousal abuse. In fact, what the judge said, it's the worst case of spousal abuse I've ever seen, but it really wasn't spousal abuse, you know what I'm saying? But it's just bullying. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's one big thing that I think is coming uh, as far as libertarian issue on the horizon in the U.S. Um, the and I'd just like to get y'all's thoughts on that. I mean, it looks to me, you know, it, we, what's the incentive of a man to marry and stay home with his family is definitely mm-hmm. going to be in, inhibited by, you know, the risk of, you know, going to jail. Yeah. And so it's just just thought there. Uh, that any, any ideas about that one? No? no okay, the other question. It's yeah. going to be bigger government, bigger government. A bigger government, but it gets inside the it gets inside the home. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, it's another disincentive to marriage and you know family, uh, which means a lot to people down here in Louisiana. You know, and I but you know, they also want to well, be talking about people everywhere. Yeah, right. So then that's one issue. The other issue is the the Trump tax plan. Is is it? Do y'all know? Is it going to cruise through? Is it going to pass? What's the status on that? It's not going to pass. There's going to be too many Republicans. I doubt it. I mean, unless they make some major changes to it. And one thing, I I do like the idea of lowering taxes, but he was saying that it was going to take people off the tax rolls. I think that's actually a bad thing. I want everybody to have skin in the game. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if nobody paid any taxes, but I, I don't like the idea that you're going to have people who 
aren't going to have a stake in it. They're not going to have skin in the game. They're going to vote for a living instead of working for a living. And you know what happens when 51% of the people can eventually vote to take away stuff from the other 49%. You get Venezuela. And I don't want to see us go in that direction. Right. Yep, I agree. Oh, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, did you see where the the guy who runs FEE, the – Freedom and Economic Education Foundation, or whatever it's called, um, and I wish I could remember his name, um, but he went on Twitter or Facebook or one of these things and said he was he he was making a joke, but he basically said they they we need another Pinochet to to <laughs> to, to intervene in Venezuela and. Uh, <laughs> well, Pinochet wasn't Venezuela. He was um, Argentina. Chile. Uh, Chile. Chile. I'm he, sorry, Chile. Yeah. But uh, but but I mean, he was basically <laughs> saying that's what we need to stop what's going on in Venezuela right now. And he was, he, I think he was joking. But it's like, come on, man. I mean, who said that? The guy that, that that's in, that's head of the FEE. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, yeah, you. Put a bunch of soldiers to work killing people. That's always a good way to increase the economy. <laughs> hmm. Last question. Trump, what do y'all think Trump has had to do with, if anything, the rise of Mohammed bin Salman in uh, Saudi Arabia, putting all these crooks in, uh, into custody, taking $100 billion away from them, including the guy that appointed all of, of uh, Obama's cabinet? Eight years ago, or ten years, nine years ago now, that guy—they're all in prison. Do you think Trump had something to do with that? I think if he didn't, surely the CIA must have, or the Defense Department, somebody. He just don't go take out thirty sheiks and put them in a prison, albeit a nice prison, five stars. But I've heard—I read something that said that they were torturing those guys. So I don't know. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I can't imagine that. Bin Salman would just take over Saudi Arabia without having some backing because the, the people he put in jail were all the Bush people and the Clinton people. There's something going on over there that we're we're heavily involved in. Oh yeah, I mean, and we'll never know about it, you know. I think it's coming out. I think I think they're torturing those people to get them to testify against the Clintons and the Bushes of the world. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I'd even go for some torture of those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> <laughs> some waterboarding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. All right, well, I, all, I um, all right. Well, I had one other thing I did want to mention. I was going through here and I and I saw this. Um, you guys know who James O'Keefe is, right? Oh yeah. I I read about that. Yeah, he's he's from a Louisiana boy. Yeah, and he was the one that that. Um, they did that sting operation to go into Planned Parenthood and 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 film all those oh, Planned yeah. Parenthood workers saying things. Okay, well, James O'Keefe, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this to you real quickly here because I think it's a very interesting story. Uh, Washington who's, Post. Who's putting the story out? Is it a Washington Post story? It's a Washington Examiner. Examiner, okay, good. Which is kind, of, which is kind of a conservative-leaning um, paper. But here's um, Washington Post catches James O'Keefe trying to sting paper with fake Roy Moore accuser. 
James O'Keefe said on Twitter Monday that he was preparing his own video story about the matter, including hidden camera footage into the Washington Post. The Washington Post said Monday it had caught conservative activist James O'Keefe attempting to sting the newspaper by offering up a woman with fake accusations that she was impregnated as a teenager by Roy Moore. The Post reported that two weeks ago, one of the paper's reporters received a message from a woman claiming that Moore had impregnated her when she was a teenager in the early 1990s, when she was 15, and that it led to an abortion. The Post did not publish an article based on her unsubstantiated account, the reporter said. When Post reporters confronted her with inconsistencies in her story and an Internet posting that raised doubts about her motives, she insisted that she was not working with any organization that targets journalists. O'Keefe's nonprofit, Project Veritas, has done several stings in the past wherein alleged liberal media bias is uncovered at outlets like CNN and the New York Times. The Post's report said that the woman who made the claims against Moore, the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Alabama, was seen entering the Project Veritas New York-based office on Monday and that she nor O'Keefe would answer questions when approached by the paper's reporters. Several other women have accused Moore of making sexual advances on them when they were teenagers and he was in his 30s. Moore has denied the claims, and many of his supporters are suspicious that the media, the Post in particular, have published false stories. O'Keefe said on Twitter Monday that he was preparing his own video story about the matter, including hidden camera footage into the Washington Post. So um, for a guy who who, um, tries to do these things, he sure doesn't go about it in a very smart way. No. Well, you know, he did some good. I mean, I thought he he, he busted. Didn't well, didn't he? Wasn't he involved in busting some of the Clinton people with some uh, busting the voters over from one state to another state or something like that? He he did something good during the uh, election to to bust some uh, voter fraud. I thought. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a, a couple of times he's done good things, but this was not a very good thing because. Um, for her to be walking in and out of his office, I mean, that's easy enough to discover. Right. You'd think they'd be smart enough to, like, go meet down at the ballroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, um, anyway, gentlemen, um, it has been yep. a fun evening. We had a great guest. It has. And I'm looking forward to doing it again soon. So um, I'm sorry that um, Andy couldn't make it tonight, but if you guys want to bust his chops a little bit on Facebook, feel free to do so, Um, because we certainly (laughs) certainly could have used his input. All right. (laughs) All right. Gentlemen, it's been fun. We'll We'll do it again soon. All right. Well, you guys have a good night. Take care. All right. Bye.